So two weeks ago, we began a new series looking at the gospel of Luke. And in the first week of our series, we read about God sending the angel Gabriel to go and visit a, a priest named Zechariah to tell Zechariah that he and his wife, Elizabeth, were going to have a baby. And this baby was going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. It was quite an announcement, right? It was amazing. But what made this announcement even more amazing for Zechariah and Elizabeth is that Luke tells us that they, were, uh, they, they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were, as Luke calls it, well advanced in years, right? They were old and they were well past the, the age of, of having children. So this was more than just exciting news. This was a miracle, right? It was a miracle. It was incredible news. Well, then last week, we read about God sending Gabriel on another mission. This time, it wasn't to a priest in Jerusalem. This time, it was to a young teenage girl in a town called Nazareth, a young girl who was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And once again, he was announcing a pregnancy. He said, Mary, you're going to have a baby, only your baby isn't going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Your baby is going to be the Messiah. What? This is incredible news for Mary, right? Absolutely incredible. But more incredible than the fact that for her that, that, she, that the Messiah was going to be born to her was the fact that it was going to be a miracle because Mary was a virgin, and she said, well, how is this even possible? And, and the angel said, nothing is impossible with God. Mary's birth was also a miracle, an incredible, incredible gift. Well, last week I told you that these two announcements, announcement of a pregnancy, th that they are meant to go together. Unfortunately, I, I go a little slow, so it's taken us two weeks to get through these two announcements but they are meant to be brought together. And Luke put them back to back for a reason because he wants you to understand that the lives of these two children, these children who are gonna become men are linked together. They are the fulfillment of all the prophecies in the Old Testament regarding the forerunner of the Messiah and the actual Messiah. Well, today, Luke is gonna bring those two stories together something that he began to do at the end of our text last week when he told Mary at the end, he said, nothing's impossible, Mary. And, and as a sign for Mary, he said, your relative, Elizabeth, the one who was barren, the one who is now an old woman, she's pregnant. She's six months pregnant. And you can imagine Mary must've just been like, what? You gotta be kidding me. Mary, I mean, Elizabeth, she, she's been waiting to have children her whole life and she's finally gonna have a baby because nothing is impossible with God. Well, if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Luke chapter one, and we're gonna pick up in verse 39 today. And as you already know, we've talked about it, the Advent theme for today is joy, joy. I wonder, you know, where's your joy level at this morning? It's kind of perfect, actually, the timing that 
that the Advent theme today is joy. Because if I could pick one word, just one word to describe the passage that we're about to read, it would be joy. I mean, in this passage, we're going to see Elizabeth's joy. She has reason to be joyful, don't you think? I mean, she's an old lady, never expected that she was going to have a kids at this point, And now she's giving birth to the forerunner to the Messiah. Amazing. She's so full of joy. And then we have Mary's joy. Again, definitely has reason to be joyful. But on top of Elizabeth's joy and Mary's joy, in this text, we're going to see the joy of an unborn baby. You know, Elizabeth's baby in Elizabeth's belly is going to be literally dancing with joy. I think John was not a Baptist. He was a Pentecostal. And I, he is like, he is worshiping, not just with his mouth. And some of you like, ooh, get my hands. No, he is, he is full on worshiping with his whole body, right? Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. This, this passage is nothing but joy. So let's begin reading in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute, right? She has just received the most incredible news. I mean, she's pregnant. That's incredible news, right? She's excited. I'm going to be a mom. That's incredible. But no, the, the incredible news is that the Messiah is coming. For centuries, For centuries, the Jewish people were waiting, 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 waiting for the Messiah. When's the Messiah going to come? When is he going to come and rescue us? And Mary finds out from the angel Gabriel that the Messiah is on the way. This is exciting news, right? It's incredible. And not only is, is, is the Messiah coming, but Mary finds out that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. Don't you think like every woman in, in Israel's history hoped that they might be the one chosen to be the Messiah? What an honor, right? God's favor, God's grace being poured out on Mary's life. But as we talked about last week, in order for Mary to embrace God's plan for her life, Mary also had to embrace a path which included suffering, right? It wasn't all easy for Mary, was it? The joy of her pregnancy would be accompanied by accusations of adultery. As soon as Mary started to show, right? the whispers and the persecution would begin. Mary knew. Mary knew that people would look at her son, Jesus, and they would see him as an illegitimate son born in sin. That's how they would see him. And think about how hard that must have been for Mary because she knew the truth. He wasn't born in sin. He was the legitimate son of God. Imagine somebody accusing someone you love of something you know that they did not do. An unfair characterization of her son. Wow. She knew that her son was the Messiah. Can you appreciate the difficulty of her situation? The, the joy tempered by the, the pain that she would have to endure. And she doesn't even have a clue about all the pain yet that she will have to endure. Gabriel didn't tell her everything, did he? She couldn't handle that, right? If she knew how her son would suffer and die. The conflicting emotions that she must have been feeling as she embraced 
God's plan for her life. But she's just heard this incredible news, right? And, and, and she's excited, right, to share it. I mean, you just found out, Mary, that you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. The Messiah is on the way. This is good news. And, and usually when we receive good news, we want to tell others, right? But who's she going to tell? Hi, I'm Mary. The Messiah's on the way. I'm going to be his mom. And by the way, I'm still a virgin. Right? Who's going to believe her? Who's going to believe her? Elizabeth. Elizabeth would believe her because Elizabeth, the Gabriel, told Mary that Elizabeth had also received miraculous news. She could go and talk to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth would understand. And so the text says that after Gabriel left her in those days, Mary arose and went with haste to see her relative Elizabeth. And the word haste here implies eagerness or earnestness. Mary was eager to see Elizabeth. She was eager to celebrate, celebrate Elizabeth's pregnancy, right? But she was also eager to share the good news that she had received. Now, Luke doesn't tell us exactly where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. He just says that it was a town in the hill country of Judah. Zechariah and Elizabeth lived somewhere in the hills surrounding Jerusalem. Mary's journey would have been an uphill climb to a town somewhere between 60 and 80 plus miles away from her home in Nazareth. That's a long journey, right? That's a long journey. It would have taken her days to get there and, and not an easy uh, travel either, having to climb the hills up into into the foothills, or not the foothills, actually, the hills of Judea. So what do you think Mary was thinking about on her journey? You've got a lot of time to think, right? You've got good news, and you're heading there to tell someone, but it's not like you just like, pick up the phone and call, right? It's you've got a three, four-day journey or maybe more to get there. What do, you th- what do you think she's thinking about? Keep in mind that right now, all Mary knows, she knows that Elizabeth's pregnant, right? But she doesn't know that Elizabeth's baby is the forerunner to the Messiah. Gabriel didn't tell her that part. And and, and keep in mind that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they don't know, they don't know that Mary's pregnant. They don't know that 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 Mary, Elizabeth's relative Mary, is going to be the mother to the Messiah. All they know is that she's pregnant, Elizabeth, and that her son is going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. But they don't know who the Messiah is going to be. And so Mary is traveling. And for me, I imagine that for Mary, she would have been thinking, you know, during this, this travel, you know, she would have been thinking about the, the, the joy and the excitement of Elizabeth's pregnancy, you know, can't wait to get there and give Elizabeth a hug and congratulate her after all these years. You know, she would have maybe been, you know, replaying over and over in her mind the things that Gabriel had spoke to her. Like, man, what you, I can't believe that Gabriel came to me. I can't believe the things that he said. And wow. But I also think she probably was thinking about like, how, how do I break this news to Elizabeth? How do I tell her? When do I tell her? Do I just walk through the door and say it right away? Hey, I'm pregnant with the Messiah, Right? 
doesn't seem like the right approach, right? I mean, that's kind of rude. I mean, because she just, she's pregnant and I don't want to, you know, come in and rain on her parade, right? So I don't want to steal her thunder. So, so she's thinking like, when do I, how do I bring this up? When do I tell her? Whatever thoughts Mary might've been going through along the way, kind of planning out how this was all going to go down when she got there, all of her thoughts went right out the window when she arrived. After Mary entered the house and she greeted Elizabeth, in verse 41, we read, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, I don't know what you picture in your mind when you read those verses, but I picture an emotional and a joyful scene. I picture a look of surprise from, from Elizabeth. Her eyes are as wide as saucers, you know? And she's so excited to see her relative Mary. It's not like Mary, you know, texted her and said, I'm coming to visit, you know? It's not like they talked on FaceTime every night, right? They didn't have these luxuries that we do. She probably didn't send a letter ahead of her to let, you know, let Elizabeth know she was coming. She just packs up her things in Nazareth and heads to go see Elizabeth. And she shows up and Elizabeth is just thrilled to see her. thing is, just on top of seeing one another, which is exciting enough, when you haven't seen someone you love for a while, you get excited to see them anyway, right? But what about when you have incredible news? Like, and both of these ladies have incredible news to share with each other. They're like, I'm, you're here. I've got so much to tell you, Elizabeth. I've got so much to tell you, Mary. You're never going to believe what happened to me. Actually, I would, right? <laughs> Lou tells us, as soon as Elizabeth heard the sound of Mary's voice, two things happened immediately. First, her baby John leaps inside her womb. Second, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she began to speak, or he says here, exclaim with a loud cry. Let's talk first about the baby. Do you remember the first time you ever felt a baby kick inside someone's belly? I've never felt a baby kick inside my belly. It's incredible, right? It's incredible. I can remember times when we have three boys, and I can remember times when my wife was pregnant that, you know, watching them kick, not just feeling them, feeling them kick is cool, but when you can see their foot, like the imprint of their foot pushing against the belly, I mean, there were times, literally, they were kicking so hard, I thought they were going to come through, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> how does your belly even hold that foot back? You know, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And that's from the outside. I, I honestly, I can't even imagine what that, <laughs> moms, I don't know, that's, you, you guys are amazing, so... So Elizabeth, we're told, she's six months pregnant at this point, right? And, and uh, again, I've never had a baby, but I'm told 
that somewhere between four to six months, somewhere in that range is when women start feeling their baby moving inside their belly. So no doubt by six months, Elizabeth has already begun to feel baby John kicking in her her belly. But this kick is different, right? This kick is different. When, When he starts kicking, he, he starts celebrating, right? It, it is like full on. Like he uses her belly like, like a trampoline, right? I, I don't know. She knew that this was different. This wasn't normal kicking from her baby. He starts doing backflips inside there, right? And, and two weeks ago, two weeks ago, when we were reading about Gabriel's visit to Zechariah, Gabriel told Zechariah something really special. He said that your son, John, is gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. That's, nobody else got to experience that, right? And so baby John, six months in mom's belly, filled with the Holy Spirit, at the sound of Mary's voice, starts freaking out. This baby is freaking out inside her belly, rejoicing at the presence of Jesus, pointing his mother to Jesus the Messiah. Elizabeth didn't know who the Messiah was gonna be yet, but John, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, now you do, now you do. And when Elizabeth fills it, she too is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she knows what her son is celebrating. By the way, I just wanna pause for a moment and just say something. I can't miss this opportunity to say, when we talk about when does life begin, that baby, that baby knew. That baby heard a voice. That baby responded. That baby knew what was going on outside. Life begins at conception. Elizabeth, recognized because she was filled with the Spirit. She knew what her son, filled with the Spirit, was responding to. And so she exclaimed, it says, with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. Mary, the blessing in favor of God is on you. What an incredible grace that God has given to you, Mary. Among all the women in the world, among all the women in the world, God chose you, Mary, God blessed you. Then she says, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Oh, Mary, blessed is the child that is in your womb. Your baby, Mary, your baby is so, so special. Mary's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I know, Gabriel told me, you know. Think about how encouraging this must have been for Mary. She didn't tell Elizabeth that she was pregnant, right? She didn't tell her. And it's not like she's showing, right? She just found out that she's going to have a baby and she travels to go visit Elizabeth. She's not showing yet. But as soon as Elizabeth hears her voice, the baby leaps. The Holy Spirit says, the Messiah is in your womb. Wow. This must have been so encouraging for Mary, strengthening the faith that she already had by the filling of the Holy Spirit and the leaping of, of John in Elizabeth's womb, Elizabeth knows that, that Mary is pregnant, pregnant with the Messiah. Verse 43, Elizabeth continues, and she says, why 
Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth is completely overwhelmed. She's overwhelmed by what God is revealing to her right now. She, she had no idea. She knew she was going to carry the forerunner to the Messiah. She had no idea that six months after hearing that news, that, that the Messiah was going to come into her home. Unbelievable. She says, who am I? Who am I to receive such an honor? Elizabeth realizes that Mary's not just pregnant. She realizes she's pregnant with her Messiah. She realizes that the baby in Mary's womb is her Lord. You see that? Elizabeth says, my Lord is in your womb, in my house. Wow. Who am I? Who am I that I would be given such an incredible honor? She's overwhelmed with gratitude. She's overwhelmed. She has such a sense of humility, don't you think? She's actually a pretty prominent woman. She's the, she's the wife of a priest in Israel, right? She doesn't let that go to her head. She looks at the situation and she says, wow, who am I? You know, sometimes I think that, that we could be a little bit more like Elizabeth, right? We, we can become so familiar with Christ that we forget what an incredible honor and what an incredible blessing it is that he has chosen us. Oh God, please help us never to take for granted how ridiculously gracious it is that you have chosen us, Amen. right? Who am I? Who am I that God would choose to love me, right? Who am I that Jesus would choose to die for me? Who am I... That, that God would choose to send his Holy Spirit to live in me. Wow. Like Elizabeth, we want to be aware of what an incredible honor and blessing it is that has been poured out on our lives through Jesus, our Lord. Finally, Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth says, Mary, Blessed are you for believing what God revealed to you. At this point, Elizabeth, she's probably thinking, man, it's too bad my husband, Zechariah, the priest, too bad he didn't believe when God spoke to him, you know, been playing charades for six months. This is ridiculous, right? Actually, I read, I read somewhere one, one, one commentator said, he said, I think Elizabeth was doubly blessed. She, she was blessed. She was blessed with a baby, and she was blessed by her husband's silence for nine months. So, so I can't imagine how quiet our house would be if that happened. <laughs> so, it would not be a blessing. So, oh man. Mary took God at his word. She believed, and she surrendered fully to his plans for her life. You know, even this trip, right, to go see Elizabeth, even this trip was a demonstration of her faith in what God had spoken to her. Gabriel said, Elizabeth's pregnant, and Mary said, I'm going to go see her. She believed it. She believed it was true. And I don't know about you, but that's the, kind of the way I want to live my life, you know? I want to be more like Mary, that I'm going to take God at his word. When God says something, you can count on it, you know? You know, sometimes I think we, we you guys probably have these either printouts or maybe like there's a book, a book of God's promises, 
and we read them and are like, yeah, that's for them. No, they're for you. If God says it, it's true. You can count on it. You can believe it. Take God at his word. Mary believed what God had spoken to her. Blessed is she who believed. So, all right, so, so far we, we've seen the joy and praise coming from the unborn baby, right? We've seen joy and praise coming from Elizabeth. Now, we're gonna see joy and praise being expressed from Mary. Only, only Mary's joy is gonna be expressed through a song. Isn't that cool? It's like a musical, you know? <laughs> so I love that. You guys like music? Who likes musicals? Anybody? All right, I like them. I don't know. Some people don't. You're weird. Um, so no, they're, they're fun. They're, they're, they're fun, you know, because in the song part, they're still speaking and, and the, the whole story is still moving forward, right? But the, but the actor like turns to the crowd and starts singing to the crowd, right? I, I love that about musicals. But anyway, so Mary in her musical part here is going to respond in, in song. Verses 46 through 55 make up what is known as the Song of Mary, otherwise known as the Magnificat, right? The title, Magnificat, comes from the first word in the Latin translation of this song. Now, in our English translations, it's the third word. Uh, It's the first verb, the third word, magnifies. This song is Mary's song of praise. She is magnifying the Lord and rejoicing in God. But before we take a closer look, And we will, we'll take a closer look. But before we do that, I wanna point out something that I think is really, really important for us to grab hold of. One of the things that I love about Mary's song is the way that she utilizes phrases and quotes and and allusions to several Old Testament passages. It's funny, different commentators will list how many she alludes to, and then they list out the ones that she alludes to, and it's a different list. It's because it's literally probably dozens Mary, what we learn from from looking at this song is that Mary was a student of God's word, that she had had heard the Psalms, she had studied the Psalms, she had heard the prophecies from Isaiah and the Old Testament. She was familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. One of my favorite Bibles that I have on my shelf is called the NIV Worship Bible. And there's these pages in in there where 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 the authors, they they take a collection of several verses and they put them together into one like, paragraph, mixing all kinds of different scriptures together, just praising God. That's what Mary does here. Mary takes all the Old Testament scriptures that have been filtered into, through her ears, into her mind, into her heart, and then she begins to speak from her heart. What I love about Mary is that she was someone who you know, had paid attention when they were teaching at the synagogue. Maybe her parents sat her down and explained the scriptures to her, but she was processing it all. And when you squeeze Mary, what comes out? God's word. God's word is just waiting to bubble out in, in praise. And I think we could all do a little bit better job feeding ourselves with God's word, really chewing on it, meditating on it, maybe memorizing it. And I'll admit, I'm terrible at memorizing scripture. I'm really bad. But maybe that needs to be my New Year's resolution, you know? Not just read it, not just study it. Maybe memorize portions of scripture. Mary knew God's word. 
It reminds me of what the psalmist wrote. Mary reminds me of what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, which, by the way, Psalm 119 is a great psalm, long one. You want to read the whole thing? No, you don't. It's long. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. But so much of Psalm 119 is all about God's word and the value of God's word. In verse 171, tells you how long this psalm is, right? Verse 171, the psalmist says, My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Mary's heart, Mary's mind were saturated with God's word. I love that about Mary. Well, let's take a look at what she says. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Mary begins her song with a laser focus on who her praise is for and where her joy comes from. As Mary considers all that has been revealed to her through, through the angel Gabriel, as she, as she considers all that has been confirmed to her through Elizabeth's words and through the baby leaping, Mary's response is to turn to the Lord in praise. That's her response. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. This entire song is meant to point to God. You know, some people, I think some people think that this song is about Mary. No, Mary would be totally dishonored if you made this about her. Mary wanted to point to one person, God. This is all about God. That's what Mary's saying. She's praising God. She's magnifying him. It is a song of worship. I was telling the worship team before this service this morning, one of the best definitions I've ever heard for worship is worship is our right response to the revelation of who God is. It is our right response to the revelation of who God is. When we consider who God is, when we consider what God has done, the only right response is worship. Amen. Worship. And that's what Mary does. Mary's considering, oh my goodness, all that God has done for me, all I can do is magnify his name. That's what she is doing here. But notice what else she says. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my, what's it say? Savior. Who needs a savior? Everyone. Mary, Mary didn't walk around thinking, I'm sinless Mary. She didn't. She was humble. She recognized her need for a savior. And when she considers what God has revealed to her, she is praising God for her Savior. She recognizes it. The Messiah is in her womb. He was her Savior just as much as he is ours. That's truth. Mary says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Not their Savior, my Savior. It's personal. This entire song is a direction, is pointed to God, her Savior. As we continue with this song, Mary, Mary's going to highlight, she's going to highlight four reasons why her heart is filled with joy. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give those to you right up front. Uh, the slide's going to be up there for like a, like a nanosecond, okay? So I'll talk really slow. Mary's heart is filled with joy because of four reasons. Because of the grace of God, the mercy of God, 
the strength and justice of God and because of the faithfulness of God. Because we're going to take a closer look at those things in Mary's song, but let's start with verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. That's her, Mary. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. As Mary continues her song, we see the first of the four reasons for Mary's joy. Mary's heart is filled with joy because of God's grace. As Mary considers all that God has done for her, she is overwhelmed by God's grace. You guys remember what grace is, right? Grace is, is unmerited favor, right? It's receiving what we have not earned, right? She says, God has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mary says, she recognizes her position, right? She recognizes that she is a servant of the Lord. She's a poor teenage girl from an insignificant town called Nazareth. And when she considers God, who is mighty, God, who is holy, and she says, he looked on me? Wow, what an unbelievable honor. She's blown away. She says, who am I to receive such favor? Who am I to receive such grace? Mary says, because of his grace and because of the great things that he has done for me, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why is Mary blessed? Because of what God has done for her. Mary understands the incredible grace that God has poured out in her life. She, she's been blessed with an honor that no other woman in all of human history would have, right? To be the mother of Jesus. The only perfect child, you know? I wonder what that was like. Can you imagine raising baby Jesus, you know? Man, she's blown away by God's grace, by the goodness of God. You know, sometimes I think that we forget. We forget that we too are recipients of God's incredible grace. All of the blessings that he has poured out on our lives, his goodness, his grace. Oh, we didn't earn it, right? There's a song by Casting Crowns called, Who Am I? Who Am I? Let me read you just a few of the lyrics. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? It's not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. It's not because of what I've done, it's but because of who you are. He says, I, I am a, a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. Still, you hear me when I'm calling. Lord, you catch me when I'm falling, and you have told me who I am. I am yours. I am yours. Great song. Mary's song, likewise, is a song of praise, a response to God's unbelievable grace. But secondly, her song is a response to God's mercy. Look at verse 50. Verse 50, she says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. As Mary considers all that God has done for his people, as she, she responds in joy 
and praise for his mercy. If grace is receiving what we haven't earned, right? Mercy is not getting what you actually deserve, right? And Mary rejoices over the fact that God is a God of mercy for those who fear him. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, right? Psalm 103, verse 17, we're told, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. It's probably one of the Psalms that Mary was thinking about when she said her words. From generation to generation, the Lord is unchanging in the mercy that he extends towards those who fear him, those who honor him as God. Mary's song is a song of praise in response to the grace of God, to the mercy of God. And third, Mary's song is a song of praise in response to the strength and justice of God. Verse 51, Mary says, for he has shown strength with his arm. It's an anthropomorphism. Cool word, right? Assigning a human attribute to God. Strength of his arm. He's got big arms. He was scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary rejoices over, over the way that God, by the strength of his arm, brings forth justice. Brings forth justice. God opposes the proud. He opposes the self-sufficient. He scatters them. He brings them down and he sends them away empty. But he exalts those who are humble. He provides for those who are hungry. And as Mary considers the, the, the strength and, and the justice of God, her heart is filled with joy. But I also want you to notice that Mary speaks of these things excuse me, in the past tense. Look at him. He has shown strength. He has scattered the proud. He has exalted the humble. He has, he has, he has. It's what he has done in the past. True. He has done this in the past, right? And we can, you can look through the Old Testament scriptures and you can see examples of the way that God has humbled. I, love, I always think of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the way that God humbled him. If you don't know it, go to the book of Daniel and read the book of Daniel about how God humbled Nebuchadnezzar. It's awesome. It's, it's comical and awesome. God has. He has done this. And you, but we look at it and we go, like, yeah, but, but still the proud are proud and they still do stuff and they're still getting away with stuff. But you know what we know? They won't always. They won't always. Mary's statements are both a recognition of how God has worked in the past, but I'm telling you that I believe that this is a confident declaration of Mary's faith and what God is going to do ultimately through the Messiah that is in her womb. He has done all these things and he is going to do them completely through my son. Wow. Isaiah chapter 61 is a, a, a prophecy about the Messiah. I'll read just the first two verses. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, 
These are things that the Messiah is going to do. And Mary's like, yeah, right there. That right there, that baby is going to bring this about. Amazing. As Mary considers the strength and the justice of God, her heart is filled with joy. I hope that gives you joy. The wicked don't win. They don't win, right? Read the whole story. It's, it's a good ending. It's really good. Finally, in verses 54 and 55, we see that Mary's heart is filled with praise as she considers God's faithfulness. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary is rejoicing because of God's faithful love and mercy towards his people. The Lord had made promises to to Abraham. He made promises to Isaac and to Jacob. We covered a lot of those during our study in the life of Joseph. God promised to bring a Messiah from the line of Judah, a descendant of King David. And the baby that is in Mary's womb was the fulfillment of God's promises. Mary's faith is firmly anchored in her confidence that God will fulfill everything that he has promised. She looks and she says, man, God has been faithful to Abraham. The promises he he has been faithful. He fulfills his promises. He fulfilled everything he said he was going to do, and he's going to continue to fulfill everything that he says he will do. She is filled with joy as she considers the faithfulness of God. You know, you can be filled with joy for the same reason, right? Everything that God said would happen with his son coming the first time happened. Everything. And so everything that he says will happen with his son's second coming is going to happen too. God keeps his promises. You might not like his timing. I'm right with you, right? Man, sometimes it's like, God, really? We got to wait that long for lunch? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Everything's about food, I know. So, but no, we don't like his timing always, right? But he always comes through with his promises. And that should cause us to be filled with joy. Verse 56, and Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her home. Luke tells us that Mary stayed with Zechariah and Elizabeth for three months. Okay, so let me just figure this out. So she was six months pregnant when Gabriel told Mary that Elizabeth was pregnant. She then traveled there, took her, you know, whatever, four or five days, whatever it was to get there. Stayed for three months. That makes Elizabeth, help me, nine months pregnant. Okay, which is typically when babies are born. All right. Luke doesn't come out and say it. It's actually kind of odd. We don't hear about Mary being present at the birth of John the Baptist. Next week, we're going to look at the birth of John the Baptist, and Mary's name isn't mentioned because she's not the focus in the next passage. But presumably, presumably, she stayed for three months to be there for the birth of John the Baptist. The fact that Luke includes the number six months pregnant plus three months, oh, that's when babies are born. Got it. So I think what he's saying is she stayed until John the Baptist was born. Next week, again, we'll, we'll look at the, the birth of John the Baptist, but I want to finish up our, our time this morning with this. This entire passage, the, everything we've just read, verses 39 to 56, this passage is marked by one word. It's joy, 
right? Joy, joy, joy. You guys remember the Sunday school song? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? <laughs> down in my Where? I love the, 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 the other verses are great. I got the wonderful love of my blessed redeemer. It's like, they're amazing uh, song. But anyway, joy, joy, joy down in her. I am so distracted by myself. I got to tell you. <laughs> I, I am not diagnosed as ADD or ADHD, but I'm telling you, my parents would have liked to have had that diagnosis when I was growing up, I'm sure. Oh, man. Joy. It's just total joy. That's what this passage is. Elizabeth is filled with joy. The unborn baby is filled with joy. Mary is filled with joy. Why are they filled with joy? Because of who God is and because of what God has done. Their joy is firmly anchored in who God is. He is a God of grace, right? He is a God of mercy. He's a God of strength and justice. He's a God who is faithful to his promises. He was at the time of Mary and Elizabeth, and he is today as well. So that means that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe this stuff, well, even if you don't, even if you don't, God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy, strength, justice, faithfulness. And that, the only right response, the only right response is joy and praise when we consider who God is and what he has done. He, he's a God who entered our world, Emmanuel, right? God with us. And when these folks, Mary and Elizabeth and baby John, considered who God is and what he's done, they just, they responded in praise. And our hearts should respond the same way. It's exactly how we should respond. Our lives should become an act of worship. Everything we say, everything to do, poured out in praise to God for who he is and what he's done. We have so, so very much to be joyful for. Amen? Amen? All right, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up and we are gonna close as a response to the revelation of who God is, right? Let's sing with joy for who he is and for what he has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to know you, to be in a relationship with you, you are a God who is gracious. You are merciful. You are full of strength and justice and compassion. You are full of love. Oh, you love us so much. What an incredible privilege that we have to be called your children. God, may the knowledge of who you are and all that you've done fill us with joy. And may we respond in praise, not just with song. Oh, we can sing in praise. But maybe, God, maybe it's like John the Baptist. Maybe we're going to dance in praise. Maybe that's our act of worship. Or maybe it's the act of, of prayer. We're going to spend time praying and thanking you for who you are. Maybe our act of worship, God, is going to be silence, just sitting in your presence and worshiping you through silence. Maybe our act of praise, our worship, God, is going to be the way that we treat our coworkers that we're going to be conduits of, of, of your blessing to the people around us, showing them the love and the joy and the peace and the hope that we have through your son, Jesus. Oh God, please make us a joyful people who worship you with our entire beings. We pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus, our Savior. Amen.